Hello, friends, and good morning, and welcome, welcome to Re Regeneration Church. Uh, today we're talking about divine reality, and how divine reality seems to be beyond our limited human understandings, yeah? We talked about this at length on Transfiguration Sunday, if you were either in the room or you happened to tune in or listen to the podcast later. We talked about this at length, this, this, this impossibility of naming the divine, and then we leaned into the apophatic approach. Remember that? Yeah, on Transfiguration Sunday, we did apophatic prayer. A little bit confusing, but when we kind of dug into it, it kind of started to kind of give us a little bit of a, a tool that we could use to kind of speak of the divine. Well, we're back again this morning in that sacred space of the ineffable. We're attempting to talk Trinitarian theology today. If you've noticed, we've had a lot of songs and a lot of our liturgies and our readings that would have things like the word three, in, and, within, one. And then it can get flipped around, right? One, and, in, and within, three. That's kind of been uh, where we've been this morning, and that's where we're going. Because this Trinitarian theology may be the mystery of all mysteries within the Judeo-Christian tradition. And if not the mystery, it's definitely, you know, high up there on the list. You see, we long to know what is real. We're always seeking what's real, right? We're, we're, we're seeking reality. We, we seek for us then also what seems to be out there. And how does what's out there kind of intersect with our life of what's real? Is, is what's out there real? Is what's here real? I mean, you know, these are the things that bounce around in our heads. And so we do what we know. We say what we know. We use the words that we know infused with spirit-led inspiration to form names and ideas that can lead us on our journey. So welcome to Trinity Sunday. I swear this is a Sunday in the Christian liturgical calendar that is here just for the simple fact to frustrate pastors every single year in trying to explain the unexplainable, putting into human words divine concepts of relationship. One note that's interesting is that it's the only feast in the entire church calendar that does not focus on an event or a person, but rather an idea or a doctrine, or a teaching, or a concept. So let's pray, and then, we'll, uh, and then we'll dig in. Holy, holy, holy God, creator, Christ, and spirit, breath, and wind, as close as the air in our lungs, we simply ask this morning for new eyes, new ears, new hearts, and new hands and feet. So that way we may be able to take, take the, the teachings, the poetry, the liturgies, the scripture readings, the songs, the Eucharist, our contemplation in a few minutes. Would we allow all these things to transform our hands and our feet, transform our hearts and our ears and our eyes? to notice you in, in everything, to notice you everywhere that we go. 
And also may we take all these things, all these aspects of our liturgy, our service this morning, into the liturgy or the service of the week to come. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. And all right, so Trinity Sunday, that's the day today. But yet, did you know that the word Trinity does not appear once from Genesis to Revelation? Not even once. There's not even one mention of the actual word Trinity in the Scriptures nor in the New Testament. But rather, Trinity is a name that humans came up with, right, in order to put flesh on divine ideas that we find throughout the Scriptures and into the New Testament. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at three verses this morning. Three verses from 1 John that I think do a pretty good job of getting the three and the one and the one and the three and the and and the within and the reality. And, and so we're going to be in 1 John 5 this morning. And I'm going to go through this. Uh, we're going to do this in what's called expository style this morning. Simply meaning we're just going to go through it line by line. Uh, rather than me reading a chunk of scripture and then we're going back full circle and talking about it, we're going to go through this kind of like it, you would in a, in a pastor-led Bible study. So I'd really encourage you to grab a Bible this morning. I'd really encourage you, if you have one on your phone, that, that really works for you, a translation that you like. Um, and it's, it might be kind of neat for you even to see where uh, the, the, the touch points and the differences may be in your translation versus what I'm going to be uh, reading through um, a lot of the stuff that, that, that we're doing this morning. Come, I mean, all of this is coming straight from, from its original context, which was, in, which was written in Greek. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to do this uh, a brief uh, time in these three verses. Kind of makes sense, right? Three verses, three and one. You're going to keep this word three. This is going to never stop today. And then we're going to follow up with a meditation that we've done, I think, over the last five years on what this Sunday, Trinity Sunday which is using the sign of the cross as our tangible way to, um, to, 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 to pray. And so we got three verses from John. To John oh, oh, sorry, it's 1 John 5, 6. I didn't even put that up there. My bad. So it's 1 John. It's a letter of John, not the gospel a book of John. It's 1 John. It's chapter 5. And we're going to begin in verse 6. If you're in confirmation, I'd say it's the big five, and then we go to the little six. Did you know, while, you, while people are looking at that, do you know that the original, these manuscripts were written without chapters and numbers and verses and all that stuff? And a lot of it, especially in the, um, much of the Greek and even in the Hebrew, actually much of it was written without even spaces between the words. <laughs> they would just read, it just was like, there was not even spaces between the words. And in the Hebrew, there weren't even vowels. They just left the vowels out thinking that you would just kind of figure it out. It would kind of fill in the gaps with your own brain. So our English Bibles are a little different, a little easier for us to read, I think, this morning, so... All right, we're in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, where he starts off with, this is the one. And he's referring, John is referring to verse 5, where he, where he names Jesus, Jesus, okay? And so he says, this is the one as the Gios Tutheo, the Son of God. Having come from one place to another, by Hudatos, water, and Aimatos, blood, Jesus. Christos, Jesus Christ. Not merely by water, but by water and by the blood. And you'll recognize this word, the pneuma, right? That's that word that we use often for breath, spirit, and, and wind. And the pneuma is the one martyring, your, your translations probably say testifying my, is my guess, 
um, is the one martyring because the pneuma, that wind, spirit, or breath, is the aletheia, the truth, as revealed in reality. That's a little, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a pretty, there's, there's a lot packed into one verse. As a matter of fact, there's three in one and one and three packed into one verse. One verse here, we see these Trinitarian thoughts from John. Beginning with water, yeah, that's where he begins. Beginning to referring to the divine as living water. Using living water as a metaphor for the divine. So think as a, an eternal current, okay? There's a current of water that begins before eternity, if that's even possible. Goes throughout the existence of time and space and it's everywhere at all times. And this eternal current is impossible to get away from. It's as close as the air that you breathe. He starts with this water, this eternal current current, this eternal flow of creator. And then he unites this eternal current, this flow of water with flesh and blood, with creation, with something that's more temporal. Because we hear now of the cosmos, right? He says, Jesus Christos, water and blood. We hear this now cosmic in all times and at all places, Christ dwelling within the flesh Blood flowing through the veins of the person we named Jesus of Nazareth. You following me here still? So like, eternal flow creator now is joining together with flesh and blood, Christ Jesus. And then John adds one more layer here. He says that pneuma, that wind, that spirit, that breath, who is marturon. Martyron. That's why I translate it as martyrs, because this word literally just means to be a martyr, okay? But what is a martyr? A martyr is someone who bears witness to something or testifies to something at all costs, including willing to lose their own existence to do so. That's why you'll hear of the, you know, this person was a martyr. Stephen was the first martyr in the, in the New Testament. He was willing to bear witness to what he believed as the truth, even at the cost of his own life. And so here John says that it's the pneuma, it's that wind, that breath in our lungs that is testifying to the truth and reality. Truth as reality, truth is reality, and truth that reveals reality. Because leaning into what is real, think about this, leaning into what is real is leaning into creator, right? Leaning into creator and creator's creation, right? Us and everything that we see and breathe around us. So I do wonder, this is kind of a side tangent, side note, that we're not going to go anywhere here except I'm going to throw this out there. If leaning into what is real is leaning into the divine, is leaning into reality, then how much longer can we keep pushing further into the virtual realities and miss actual reality in front of our eyes? We are going to, we are, we're, we're starting to maybe spend a little too much time virtually versus in reality. And so just a side thought, we'll, uh, we'll, we can pick that up a different Sunday. But either way, we see John here saying that this is reality in relationship. And then we're continuing now in the next verse. We're in John chapter 7. Remember, we were doing this expository style, so just have this in front of you. He says, holti. He uses this Greek word, and this means the reason being or the reason why what I just said exists, okay? So the reason why verse 6 exists John says, is because there are trace, three, Greek word for three, trace martyrs who bear witness in the heaven. 
Now, John uses the orano. This is the singular usage of heaven. Uh, oftentimes in the New Testament, we will read oranois or oranos. Those are plural definitions of heaven, like in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, yeah? Our Father who, are, or who is in the heavens, right? And we, when we talk about that is like reality everywhere. That's like the air I breathe all the way out into the farthest limits of the cosmos. That's the plural usage of heavens or skies, literally the earth's covering. Well, John here uses the singular, the singular usage of this word for heaven. And he's alluding here to that Judaic revelation of heaven being that place where peace is always found, where God's shalom, divine peace exists outside of time and space in perpetuity. This is going to get really academic today. You can't talk about the Trinity without doing this stuff. So it exists outside of time and space in perpetuity. And so John says all of this is possible because reality exists because there are three who bear witness to it, not just one. But yet the three are actually one. Because in verse 7, now we're still in verse 7, kind of in the middle of the verse, he goes, the pater, the father, okay, that's one. The logos, the word. Think of the logos in John's first writing, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Christ Jesus, okay? So we've got the pater, the logos. And now still in verse 7, the agion numa, agios holy, set apart, sacred, something that's different, something that is not the norm, something that's not typical. Numa, that spirit. So it's that wind, that breath, that holy, holy, sacred spirit. And these three, they bear witness. And then this is the very end of verse uh, 7 here. And these, the trace, the three, he writes, essay, ain, literally are one are, exist as one. Not that they're acting as one, not that they have the same mind, not that there are three things coming together as one, but essay, essay are existing as one. And then just in case we didn't quite get those two verses, John triples down, like how I did that there. Sorry, I'm not, I'm really not funny, guys. People just laugh because they think they have to. Um, John takes us back now full circle, and you'll, this is our last verse for the morning, verse 8, okay? He puts all of it together, and you can see the three here. Uh, so 1 John 5, 8, if you're following around, the pneuma, right? The wind, the spirit, and the breath, and the water, right? That was his metaphor for creator, source of life, that ever-flowing current, and the blood, right? The blood was the physical manifestation of the Christ into Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes, these three, okay? The pneuma, the water, and the blood... The spirit, creator, creation, Christ, Jesus, are one, exist as one. The Trinity then is really what we would call an apocalyptic theology. Because what does it mean to be apocalyptic? It just means to unveil something, to pull the veil, like pull the wool down from someone's eyes. We, we, we use the word apocalypse in Western culture completely backwards from the way that it's supposed to be used. It's not end times. It's not, you know, escaping reality. Apocalypse means to actually show and unveil reality. And so this Trinitarian theology is doing just that. It's reality being revealed. The Trinity itself testifying to the oneness. <laughs> I'm going to say this kind of like normal speed and I'll come back and say it again. 
okay? Reality being revealed, testifying to the oneness that is, the three within one, the one within three, and the three and one, if you will, okay? Testifying to the three within one and the one that's within three and the three and even and one, if you will. All of this existing outside of time and space. So if you like uh, sci-fi movies, things that have to do with alternate dimensions, uh, you know, into the Spider-Verse, stuff like that, that's what we're talking about. Things that exist outside of our understanding. That's why we call it a mystery. It exists outside of time and space. It's eternal. It's living water, but yet it's also flesh that is pierced. It's been blood that's been poured out through Jesus of Nazareth for the atonement or the at-one-ment of the Creator's creation, right? So now we're bringing creation back into the same oneness, that Creator, Christ, and Spirit bask in, in the eternal realms of Shalom, which we just called Orano, or heaven. All right. That's the good news of this morning. That's what we could call, we could call this then the gospel of the Trinity. That's why the gospel of the Trinity is good news, allowing us the ability to also be at one with the divine and again at one with one another. That we too can experience this three and one relationship. This entire Trinity Sunday is about relationship. And so that's a lot of academic work. I'm going to invite Stephen to come up now and break my speaking with some music. It's a lot to sift through, but again, that's what this Sunday is dedicated to. There are Sundays that are dedicated to so many different types of things. That's what today is. Just simply exploring that mystery and also understanding that our human words are always going to fall short in the end of the day. So instead of only relying on human words, only on human knowledge, only on what we can think up here in our brains, right? Jake, James Smith says we're not just brains on a stick. We're not just thinking things, we feel. We have emotions. We're lovers. We're feelers. We're dancers. We're musicians. Creative in the name of our creative God. And so we're going to go from our head to our heart, and we're going to use the sign of the cross as a meditation uh, that we do, like I said, each year on, on this Sunday. Uh, it's a meditation that I first uh, found out at a retreat about five or six, six, seven years ago. Uh, Father Michael Sparrow is the author, uh, the writer of this particular uh, spiritual practice. And maybe you're curious about the sign of the cross. Uh, if you've been around Regen for any number of times, you will see people doing this, including myself, right? Certain parts of the service. Which is funny because we keep talking about three, but there's actually four touch points on the body, right? Um, if you're curious about it, uh, it's, been in the, it's been in a history, it's part of the history of the church for a long time. It's been, the earliest that we can find is uh, Tertullian in the early third century. It's kind of a fun name to say, Tertullian. Uh, early third century started using the sign of the cross. It probably existed before that, just that was when it was recorded. Um, just think of it as another tool to put in your toolbox. You know, sometimes when people worship, they want to raise their hands. Some people want to fold their hands over their chest. Some people like to fold their hands like this, genuflecting. <laughs> there's, there's kneeling. If you go to a, a church that has kneelers, there's kneelers. There's, there's so many different ways that we can tangibly use our bodies to connect our head and our heart. So consider the sign of the cross as just another way to go from head to heart. And so if you're willing to stretch a bit, I'd like to invite you into this meditation. I'd like to invite you to invite God into your minds and your hearts this morning. As always, you can do this with your eyes closed 
or your eyes open. I'll guide you so you don't have to have them open. These are always better with your feet on the ground. Maybe you disagree with me, but you're wrong. Um, I do find it best to be feet on the ground. I think it just helps with my, dis- with my distracted, my personally, but hey, I'm just giving you what helps for me. And I'd like to invite you to put away whatever distractions you may have. Maybe you were looking at the scripture in, in the Bible. Maybe you were looking at it in, uh, uh, on, on your phone. Put that device away just for a few minutes. I promise you whatever's there, it'll be there again in 10 minutes when we're done. I'd like to invite you to simply to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. You don't have to seek to control your breath, but at least notice that it's there, right? That pneuma, that ruach, that wind, that spirit, this is what connects us to the divine, that that divine entity that we call God, Father, Son, and Spirit are as close as the air that we breathe. As you inhale, breathe in all the blessings and all the love of God, the peace, the shalom, right? That's where, that heaven where everything is as it should be. And as you exhale, exhale any anxiety or worry or stress you may be carrying with you this morning. God's desire is to recreate us over and over and over again. More fully each and every day in divine likeness. And so this morning, even if this is the the furthest you can push yourself, may your prayer be as simple as noticing your breath. continue to breathe and I'd invite you to take out your right hand place your right hand in the center of your forehead as we pray in the name of our creator God as we pray in the name that Jesus calls Abba Father We pray that all the functions of our mind, that our will and our intellect, our memory and our imagination, we pray that all that swirls around in these brains of ours might be dedicated to our Abba, our Father in the heavens. Holy, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We pray that our heads would align with the will of God. Breathe in deeply, inhaling all that is good, all that is God, all that is light, all that is love. And as you exhale, exhale all that is not of God, all that is hate, all that is anxiety, all that is fear. Take about 15, 20 seconds or so and simply contemplate the relationship your brain has with with God. Shake out your right hand. 
we got to do this each time because this is kind of uncomfortable. This is intentional, though, to be uncomfortable. It's uh, part of the, the meditation. It kind of pushes us and into, into different realms that we you know, want to go into. So shake out that right hand and place it at the center of your chest. This one's a little easier physically, but as we pray in the name of the Son, as we pray in the name of that sacred heart that was once wounded, that heart of love that is the Christ, as we pray in the name of Jesus, as we pray, we pray that we may be Christians not just in our head, but in our hearts as well, and in our whole being. Christian just simply meaning little Christ. We pray that these hearts would line up with the sacred heart of Christ and all the ways in which the Christ taught us. And with your inner eye, look inside and see how your heart is doing as of late. Does it feel like your heart is alive? Is it beating? Is it feeling strong? Or is it cold? Heart is stone? Perhaps it's hanging together this morning by a thread and it's about to break? Or is it alive and, and active and ready to engage the world? Wherever your heart is, it's the one heart you have. And it's the one heart that Jesus invites us to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. He wants us to give our hearts to him in that sacred place. So breathe in the blessing that is Christ Jesus, and as you exhale, let go of whatever is not God. Take another 15, 20 seconds or so and examine your heart. Shake out your right hand, and now we place it on our left shoulder. As we pray in the name of the holy, 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 the sacred, the set apart, and here we claim our past, the deeds that we are proud of, and the deeds we may not be proud of. And we acknowledge that although God does not cause these things to happen, he can make all things work to the good. That there's nothing we have done, nothing he has done to us that cannot be turned around and made a channel of blessing and a source of grace for the holiness of our life. And so what are you proud of this morning? What are you proud of? What makes your heart happy? What makes your heart smile? Surrender it to the holy. Holy, holy. What are you not proud of? What are you guilty of? What may make you feel kind of just not good this morning? Surrender it to the holy. Breathe in the blessing, and as you exhale, give it all over to the holiness of our God. Just take about 15, 20 seconds or so.
and contemplate where we've been. shake out your right hand and place it on your right shoulder. This is the hardest of all the positions. Definitely physically. Especially if you've had any type of soldier shoulder surgery. It's hard physically, but it's also hard emotionally and spiritually because it involves the unknown. It's uncomfortable because it involves our future, our tomorrow. We like to be in control of things. We like to know exactly everything that's going to, to unfold. But if you've lived even more than a few days on this earth, you know that's not the way it works. And so as we pray in the name of the Spirit, as we look toward our future in hope, confident that if we live a long life or a short one, if we live in honor or shame, sickness or in health, we pray that God's blessing, that God's spirit would abide like John says. Jesus' promise was, I will not leave you behind. He said, my spirit will guide you into your tomorrow. And so we can face our future unafraid. Breathe in the blessing of the Spirit, of the pneuma, of the wind, of the breath, and exhale the fear. For the last time, take about 15, 20 seconds or so and contemplate the Spirit guiding us into the future. out your hand for the last time and now use whatever prayer posture is most comfortable for you um, one of my favorites as of late has just been both hands over that sacred heart of Christ type of area that we're talking about you can also fold your hands you can put your hands in your lap you can raise your hands out towards the, the heavens, towards the skies but use whatever prayer posture now is the most comfortable for you as we pray to the God who is beyond us, to the God of power and of mystery, of wonder and surprise, we pray to the God that Jesus called Abba, Father, the God who loves us more freely and fully than any earthly father, than any earthly mother ever could. And as we pray in the name of the Son, in the name of the Christ who calls us his body, who dwells among us where two or three are gathered in his name and we pray in the name of the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit who dwells in each and every one of us in the heart, in that deep sanctuary 
of our soul. Abba, Father, right there in the forehead. Christ Jesus in the center and the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. Even as we pray together, our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.